Now the shotgun start in golf is full of mathematics. Um, there's a lot of a lot of setup work that we have to do in order to make a tournament work. So I'm going to demonstrate to you just exactly how we do a shotgun start here. And here we go. All right, all right, all right. Gentlemen, start your Greetings and welcome to a Wednesday edition of the Shotgun Start. It is September 16th. Andy, how we doing? Brendan, I'm doing great. I was, I'm just so happy to see that uh, Cody Parkey has landed on another NFL team as well. It's U.S. Open week. This is, this is a week I've been waiting almost all year for. You're leading with Cody Parkey? Well, I just was, you know, he had a tough end in Chicago. I was really worried he was never going to get another job and. They're, they're the Browns sign him. He's your new kicker. I cannot believe this nightmare this week too. We're not going to go into NFL. All of this 10 seconds. We signed this guy that's haunted your dreams. The double doink. He's just lives in infamy in Chicago. Co- we cost us a Super Bowl. Cody Parkey is now the Browns kicker. And the Bengals who we play Thursday night signed the kicker. We just cut. So this is totally going to go where he's like now drilling 55 yarders to beat us. And Cody Parkey's doinking them up. No, no more NFL talk, but I can already see it. Thursday's going to be a nightmare. Thank All God right. we have the open. We're playing for 600 FedEx cup points this week. <laughs> Let's get into the golf. <laughs> is that what everybody's fired up about? We're, I got to say, we're all over the place. We're very happy. Both of us were just watching a press conference in which Bryson was talking about 48-inch drivers and 210-mile-per-hour. He's going full Yarmo. 210-mile-per-hour ball speed. He's got quotes where he's like, he's just going to hit it as far as he can, uh, but also saying the name of the game is driving it in the fairway. He's so just a walking contradiction all over the place. His, but his ultimate goal is to drive it 400 yards. It's not to win majors. It's in the to, air. It's to drive it 400 yards in the air. It's not to win major. That's his ultimate goal. It's it's incredible. He has lost sight of golf and is, is strictly dedicated towards, you know, the goal of hitting it forever, which might, it may yield some great golf. I was I was sent speaking of I think he's already got the feather in his cap this week. I saw a memo to Wingfoot members this morning that the USGA was moving the nets back 30 yards, the tees on the temporary range on the east course because uh, Bryson was bombing it over the net. So he's got another piece. He can take the scissors out and cut it down. So that may be all he came. He came. He saw he conquered. That's what he was there to do. And give a couple quotes about 48-inch drivers and 210 miles an hour. And plug speed. and plug the shaft company that yeah, he has an owner, ownership stake. And he's taken right. after Phil, you know? Yep. Phil, Phil's yep. taught him well. I, I think they played together, I think, today. All right, let's, let's outline this podcast real quick. We talked about, you know, we're going to do ample podcasts this week. We're going to do, but this is going to be one large preview podcast. We will later be joined by Billy Dratty, creative director of Summit Golf Brands. He is a member at Wingfoot, caddied at Wingfoot, his dad caddied at Wingfoot. So he'll give us some insight into the club, its history, um, what he's going to be doing this week, maybe a caddy story about a caddy being on drugs, hallucinogens of some sorts. And then we'll also be joined by uh, 
fried egg Polly to Polly. do a little picks. We'll do our one and done picks, some fantasy uh, insights. We're going to see how he feels about Ches Reeby. We're going to see how he feels about the boy from Bratislava, as well we as, you know, who he really likes this week. Who he, who he actually likes. Okay, but first, we'll start with just the two idiots doing our normal thing. Schedule for the week. We have the United States Open at Wingfoot. We'll get into that in detail in a moment. On the PGA Tour, or I don't know. Is that officially the PGA Tour? I guess there's 600 FedEx Cup points. It, it might is. as well be. It, they will say it's one of their events, but sure. we know that uh, we know from both, you know, live from coverage already this week that this wow. is not a PGA Tour event. So I posted this to Instagram, Brandel talking about the player of the year. He goes, DJ didn't have three wins. We all know he only had two wins. Xander Shoffley won. We got this staggered scoring system. It's like, wow, you wouldn't hear that. Didn't, uh, didn't hear that the week after last the month. week of the Tour Championship. No, Did no. not hear that. Well, that's all out the window. No thumb on the scale talking about the staggered low net, low gross. Don't worry, don't worry about uh, call, calls from Pana Vidra. <laughs> quite, a, quite an interesting tone change there about the staggered start. Uh, on the LPJ Tour, Cambia Portland Classic, that is Columbia Edgewater Country Club. We have some late breaking news on this that is being shortened due to air quality. Is that what I'm hearing? Did yes. you see that? Okay. 54 uh, holes. Uh, it's been very, very spooky uh, in Portland. I guess it's way worse than California. We uh, we at the Fried Egg have a fine employee, Garrett Borson, there who left actually uh, Portland for a couple of days to go to Seattle because the air quality was so bad. So, kind of amazing what you guys are churning out over there at fried egg I, I don't need to fluff you well yeah. you know but you got a newborn garrett's fleeing from poor air quality you guys are putting out some amazing stuff as a just as a consumer as an innocent consumer who's also conflicted because i host a podcast with you but yeah, you're very very conflicted um uh so that is a that is on the lpg i guess i don't understand why Shorting it by one round changes the dynamic there. I think it, the, they're hoping it clears up. Okay. All right. I so they're not it, going on Thursday. From what I gathered, this is all via Garrett, is that the fire risk was really bad last week because the winds were high. So then that's okay. when the fire spreads. But then it got very calm, which is good because the fire stopped spreading. But what happens is the air just sits when it's calm. So the okay. smoke, it, it's just sitting there. Um, okay. which has led to just it being awful. And maybe it's just like a simple thing of like, hey, we're only going to expose our players three rounds instead of four. Just not exposing them one round makes a big difference and we could still have a real tournament. Okay. That will be on tape delay, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's kind of night. a bummer too because that's a, that's a golf Edgewater. course. Yeah, it's a neat golf course. A.V. McCann designed way too many trees, but a, a neat neat golf course um that is an event that it's tough going up against the u.s open right right and then on the pga tour champions we have the pure insurance championship at pebble beach golf links that is live on golf channel friday saturday sunday so you know what's tough tough break for a guy like steve stricker doesn't get a schwab cup points if he plays well in the u.s open. <laughs> that's that that's that's correct but you know I think he'll be all right with that. Maybe maybe they'll figure out a way to just, it's all imaginary points anyways. They could just come up with some formula. If he finishes in a certain place at Wingfoot, they'll give him 10 points or something first, like that. First st know. start in a major since his uh, Joe DiMaggio streak was halted. Uh, 
Ended... Or no, actually, he played at the PGA, didn't he? He did play in the PGA. What do you? What was it? Twenty-seven in a row or something? Without yeah, twenty-seven a or twenty-eight. Pretty good. So that's your schedule for the week that I see: U.S. Open, Portland, and Pebble Beach. All right, U.S. Open. I don't need event to tell. Event of the week. You. Yeah, what's your event of the week? U.S. Open. Yeah, yeah. Without Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it for a second. I think this is like. You know, I haven't done this for the longest time, but it's one of the more anticipated U.S. Opens and major championships on a whole that I that I can recall. Personally, as a golf fan, as a golf consumer, I've been really, really um, emotionally invested and excited about this event. And I think some of it has to do with the year that it's been. Some of it has to do with the venue, obviously. Some of it has to do with the time of year. It's going to be very cool to see this in fall. Um, and I... I I, there's been a ton of great writing content around the club, around where players are at, and their games coming into. I'm just really, really, really excited. I think Marion was one that maybe approached this for me, but uh, I don't recall being this excited for a major or and certainly not a U.S. Open. Yeah, this is one of the best uh, championship golf courses in America. Yep. Obviously, the rough has gotten ample coverage, <laughs> which... Ironically, they mowed the rough yesterday. I mean, and they were taking all these videos of rough that was getting mowed pretty significantly that day, uh, I, which is ironic. And and the other thing is the rough is really thick around the greens. On longer par fours, there is a a intermediate cut of rough, mm-hmm. um, so it's not the like devastatingly thick rough everywhere there. I mean, it's not short by any means, but there is playable rough out there. Um, but really what Wingfoot is all about is the greens. You could, these, this could be a par three. You could set up every hole as a par three and it would be compelling golf to watch because of the greens. They're astounding works of art. They're incredible. And there are so many great pin positions that require the, greatest shots to yield that they yield so few birdies because of the the greens you have to hit it so perfectly in order to have a putt that you can really think about making and if you're in the wrong spot you're just hoping to have a good putt to make it to have a two putt um so this golf course is very execution oriented it's going to be very much about hitting it in the fairways or if you hit it in the rough you know, being in the right spot in the rough where you can hit at a flag if you're, if you know, having green to work with. Because if you're hitting to a short-sided flag from the rough, there are, there's a giant slope that your ball is going to land on and it's going to shoot it off the green or very far away from the flag. So this golf course is really about positioning and understanding if I'm in position, I can hit a shot semi-aggressively. If I'm out of position, the most important thing to do is to get back into position. And that a lot of times might be 20 yards short of the green to give yourself a chance at making a par and eliminating double bogey from the card. So a concern as I was ruminating on these things yesterday is that the the casual sports fan, and I've seen it on Twitter, is not going to understand why the there's the greens aren't getting enough love. Of course, they're getting enough love. Uh, you've written extensively on the pinnable, unpinnable services. You've talked about it just now. Like, are you, is there danger in everyone just 
doing rough videos and talking well, about the rough and then just talking about it being hard and being this, you know, gauntlet and punisher and all this stuff that we lose sight of why it's good. And that's my concern. Like what makes this good is, is that it's fun and it's fun. It, even while you're getting your teeth kicked in, it's, it's fun. Yes. And the players, the players have alluded to that. The players like, listen, I'm going to get my ass kicked, but I love being here. And I like the breasts in the world are saying that. So I, I've, I'm worried that the casual sports fan is, is not going to understand why this course is good and it's going to be reduced to rough and hard, and that's why it's a highly rated golf oh, course. Oh, and Azinger's going to be just talking about trees rough and thick rough and <laughs> throwing you cliche sandwiches all weekend. <laughs> cliche but the reality is every golf course in the world can grow thick rough and have narrow fairways. Guess what every golf course in the world isn't? Yeah. Wingfoot. Yeah, Wingfoot. Wingfoot. You know, Wingfoot is Wingfoot because of the incredible greens. Like the most astounding thing about the greens is the variety in them. It's, mm-hmm. it's so difficult for a, an architect to to design eighteen truly unique and different greens from yep. hole to hole. Until he has did thirty six of them at Wingfoot. That's right. the amazing thing about Wingfoot. Um, and and that that's what makes the golf course. You could you could mow this this golf course could have no rough. And it would be no. still it wouldn't be as hard as it is this week, but it would still be extraordinarily challenging and you'd still have an awesome tournament at it. The the rough is just one small factor of the difficulty. The greens are the main thing because we see it on tour week in week out. They could grow the rough out. It could be thick. But the guys are still going to shoot under par. Look at Medina, you know, look at yeah. like Olympia yeah. Fields was a, a good example. But th- those greens are really sloped greens. They're way more sloped than they typically play on tour. And it made putting really hard that week. But as Tiger alluded to in his interview today, the rough there was baked out. It was thin. Yeah. This rough is thick, so it's going to be tough. Yeah. But Wingfoot's greens are three stratospheres more wild than Olympia Fields were. And we saw players really struggle with putts there. The old PGA Tour idiom of not pinning any area more than 1.5% grade, here we're going to see pins on 3% grade. You're going to see putts that just rip across the hole. You're going to see five-footers that players are aiming eight inches outside the cup. These are things we do not see week in, week out with the you know the white-glove setup services of the PGA Tour. <laughs> This is it's going to be awesome. We're going to see players be able to, but the the backside of these slopes is that you can be in the wrong spot, and this this contour in a green can just kill you. You can it will yeah. rip you across the hole. But if you're in the right spot, that contour is going to be like a backboard, like we see at at uh, Augusta National, where yeah. if you can throw it off of it and it can roll back, and that's what one of the coolest things that I'm really looking forward to. And that this uh, restoration from Gil Hans did was it brought back a lot of these slopes that can be big backboards. And there's nothing more fun than watching a ball roll for 15 seconds on a green towards a hole or away from a hole for that matter. And uh, you mentioned this. I remember when we drove on to the property last year. It's not like relative in the world of top five, top 10, what a top whatever championship courses. It's not like great land for a great golf course but it's a great it's one of the best championship courses in the world 
And a lot of that is due to the greens. I mean, it can get some slope right there on the the back of the holes that are on the boundary there, like 14, mm-hmm. 15, 16 coming back. There's some land movement, but like for it being one of the very best courses in the world, it's not like the most sloping terrain. Yeah, like you compare it to Shinnecock, which is, is built on sand. This is built on rock, which, you yeah. know, I- imagine trying to shape or move stuff with with mules on with yeah. a rock under a couple inches under the soil like trying to build something on that versus shinnecocks and sand how easy is it to build a sand castle in sand yeah. and in shinnecock is just up and down rolls around and you know this golf course is it one of the things about this golf course is it's so attainable you can look at this and say you know almost every county in america has a piece of land that's available that is similar to this piece of land and the thing that nobody has the balls to do anymore is to build these types of greens so everybody's so concerned with fair and you know these greens are too extreme you know in anytime i hear that i just kind of laugh because all the you know the greatest most iconic championship golf courses you know that we have Uh uh let's go through them shinnecock very severe greens Yep, you've got Pinehurst, severe greens. Augusta, severe greens. Uh, uh, Pebble Beach, severe greens. Small, they should be yeah, bigger, small. but yeah. they're severe greens. Uh, Wingfoot, probably maybe the most severe. Oakmont, severe. Oakmont and Wingfoot, probably the two most severe greens. Probably the two best championship golf courses in in, uh, in along with Shinnecock in the country. Sure, sure. It's it's yeah, it's a good point. I mean, it's yeah. Point stands. I don't need to add anything to that. One more question I have for you on this. I heard Ricky Fowler say it. I heard Justin Thomas say it within seconds of each other. You know, the two uh, juke boys. Um, Bunkmate and bunkmates this week. Are they? Okay. Big surprise. They said it. John Rahm said it today. What does in front of you mean? The courses right in front of you mean? Like, what does it actually mean? What are they trying to say there? What I think I heard even like some Wingfoot members say that. Is that a crutch? Does that mean anything? What does that mean? The course is right in front of you. I think I know, but what what would you say it means? I would interpret it as there aren't any tricks. Like there aren't, I would say they wouldn't say that about Shinnecock because at Shinnecock, if you hit it on the right edge of a fairway, you might end up on the left edge of the fairway. At Wingfoot, you're never going to have to do that. Um, you know, you don't have many, there's a, a couple semi-blind tee shots at Wingfoot. There's nothing really, there's no blind approach shots at Wingfoot because there's just not the topography to do it. Whereas at Shinnecock, there, there's a lot of that. I would say that the greens are hardly right there in front of you. I would, you know, yeah. but I would say that there's no real surprises. I think where Wingfoot, Wingfoot is a, is a relatively ordinary golf course until you get within 40 yards of the green. Okay. Last thing on that. Conditions, anything concern you, excite you? We're hearing it's somewhat soft right now, but it's Tuesday afternoon. I Somewhat. I'm saying the relative yeah. world of U.S. Open Major Championship golf. I don't anticipate that to be the case. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, guys are spinning back. Eight irons are saying. Aaron Oberholzer was saying that today. He saw guys spinning eight, nine irons quite a bit. Um I don't know. John Rahm was saying it's much firmer and faster than when he was there a couple of weeks ago said, you know, I was hitting four and five irons into a lot of those holes and said, talking to DJ, it sounds like 
the balls are running out quite a bit in the fairway a little bit more. So it is firmer and faster. Where do you feel, where are you on the conditioning as it is right now? I, I'm not out there. So it's, yeah, but of course. I would say I you think, talked to John Bodenhamer too, by yeah. the way. I think to give insight. from the standpoint of the, this is just like Augusta where, you know, Augusta people always talk about how you, you know, Thursday, it all of a sudden gets way faster. You know, every day it kind of ramps up in speed. And I think that's the ideal thing here because there isn't rain in the forecast at this point. Like there's a 20% chance on Friday. But, Friday. Um, it's going to be cold and it's going to be windy. It's warmer the first two rounds, but then it's going to get cool and windy. And bl- it, that co- golf course is going to dry out. I mean, you don't. Yep. It's like it's like anything. You want the golf course playing the very best on Sunday yep. afternoon. You know, and you don't want it to be where it peaks on Wednesday in a practice round. So I would say, you know, it did rain, I think, over the weekend. So that could be some of the softness with when you have rock right under the soil. You know, you don't get that dry that quick. They obviously have sub air in the greens and the greens are a different beast than the the rest of the golf course. But when when there's rock, you know, 12 inches under the soil. You know, you're not going to have the greatest drainage, even though they poured tons of money and I think 20 miles of drainage uh, yeah. into the yep. put into the into just the West course, uh, I think 40 miles uh, over the two courses in the restoration. So, you know, like I think if, if it doesn't rain, it is going to get very crispy. And it, I mean, it's going to be so hard to hit fairways out there. That's one of the things that I would say from my point of view is I would actually like to see. The fairways, you know, this is going to shock everybody a little wider or, you know, the rough, you know, a manageable because it's just at a certain point when it becomes so hard to hit fairways, are you really rewarding skill? You know, when, you know, if you're having a great driving day, you're hitting half the fairways. Are you rewarding a great driver of the golf ball with that? And then it yeah. comes down to the crapshoot of whether you get a good lie or not in the rough half the time. Um, as opposed to like, if you have a great day, you should be able to hit 80% of the fairways, 90% of the fairways. I think that's just my personal opinion. Now, a lot of people would disagree with that, but, uh, that, that would be my one, I guess, little, if I was going to complain a little bit about the way the golf course is set up. Okay. Um, let's do an ad read real quick. We're going to get into some of our favorite tea times, but let's do an ad read for athletic brewing. Hey, I've been crushing uh, these lately. I've been, yeah. I, You've been wondering how the contents have been made. How the, yeah, how the, you yeah. know how they're it's being it's late nights with athletic instead of regular beers. So I don't know. Some people saw it Friday night. I tweeted honestly. I think the Browns might have a chance to win the Super Bowl, and I have to disclose the wife made margaritas that night. Um. You know, one turned into four or five, and I started doing the pouring halfway through. And, you know, that's how that tweet got made. And the rest of the weekend was spent consuming athletic and recovering. And uh, that's, you know, where this has come in. Valuable for me. The, the uh, It's quite, it, it's just a great way to get a taste, to keep a clear head, to keep yourself in line, and not say something like the Browns might have a chance to win the Super Bowl two days before they lose 38 to six. Uh, the URL is athleticbrewing.com. The promo code is fried egg fall 20. That gets you 20% off your entire order, not just a beer or a six pack. It's your entire order. It's There's awesome free... promo code. I've used yeah. it a couple times now. Free shipping nationwide. Uh, we are getting a lot of anecdotal folks sending these in. 
it, it's the response seems to be pretty good. I, I'm pretty happy about it. And, and I think it's just a valuable addition to have in the fridge. I, yeah, I just think it gives you the ability, like you feel like you're, you're drinking beers, but then <laughs> yeah. like two hours later, you're just like, oh yeah, I could do whatever I want to do right now. I'm not impaired. But yeah, I still felt like I was getting—I I was getting to unwind. Yeah, having a beer. I met uh, a friend of the program. I think Matt too. You his name. He he sent in. He's like, I've been searching for an IPA like this. So you're having like an actual beer, and like he—I he, don't know. I I don't know if he gave me authority to disclose that. Not part of the ad read, but like it's actual beer that you're drinking and tasting. So, all right. The URL is athleticbrewing.com. Promo code is Fried Egg Fall Twenty. All right, tea times are out. Tea times. USGA, a lot of college. There's a big college theme this year. They, you know, they didn't. You know, there's no uh, Kevin Stadler, Shane Lowry type group where they're hollering about the hefty boys and all that stuff. Um, they did. Con- thing- they did continue a tradition of Webb Simpson, though. They did. <laughs> they just hammered Webb. Real quick, though, before we do the players. What would you rather do? Go off 10, which is a lengthy par three, or go off one, which is a big kick in the pants? Not 10. Yeah. Ogilvy, when, when we talked, talked about how awful tennis is the starting hole. Cause what is that at now? Like 220 something? Yeah. It's you gotta a hit crazy this green. Perfect, yeah, you yeah. got to hit this perfect shot. And yeah. if you don't, all of a sudden, then you're like, oh, I got to hit a great, great chip to to make a maybe a bogey like all right. of a sudden the, like the worst thing you could do is you can start you can start with a double there in a hurry he talks about that a pebble right too yeah. is like well, obviously 10 holes very in hard the morning, first hole, particularly yeah, you're not warm out in the ocean that's a, th- a low-key storyline this week is the mornings are going to be like 45 50 degrees right Right. So even even with one being historically one of the hardest scoring average holes, one in 18, I think are up there. You're, you'd still prefer to go off there than hitting a par three, two plus, 200 plus, right? Leading the off. other aspect about it. So the John Bodenhammer broke it down really well. And I and they reshuffled. They changed five into par four this year that used to be the par five on the front nine. And nine used to be a long par four. Yeah. And it has really made... And now nine to par five, but it has really made the first five holes and the last six holes are just absolute bears. Yeah. And the yep. beat of that, the beat of the, the right in the middle of the golf course, you have to get your birdies. So I like, I like the idea of having that right in the middle of your round and playing through them where you can get a lot of momentum going I into gotcha. those holes versus you start in the middle and you you know 10 is not easy no no 10 is not one of the easy holes in that uh, middle stretch but 7 30 in the morning yeah and then you go to 11 which is a hole that you can you could score on you you should always have a wedge in your hand on that hole you yeah. know and yeah. you get you get a wedge there and you got a par five the next one it's long but it's a par five so you get yeah. another wedge, and it, it, I don't like the idea of having if you have a rough tenth hole going into those holes, then all of a sudden you feel like you have to get birdies, um, right. and then if you don't, you're just like, oh shit, now I have to play six of you know in the 06, six of the eight hardest holes were the last six holes at Wingfoot, yeah. yep. um, so I would say that I'd rather start on one. I'd rather start like you get just thrown into the fire 
and worst case, you come out of those six over, you know, hey, I can I can grind my way to 75 and be okay. Yep. Okay. So that's a, that's a dichotomy to pay attention to in the first two days. And then the other thing is early late, like you said. Phil, you know, I don't know what his chances are even to start the week, but he's going late early. For a 50-year-old, that's not ideal. Tiger is the opposite. He's going early late. I, I, I kind of like late early. For a 50-year-old, you're playing till dark on Thursday and coming around and playing at 7 a.m. on Friday? Here's what I like about late early is that you play, if you play well, there's no time to think. There's no downtime. You go to sleep, and it's like the round never ended. You just yeah. back out there, and you yeah. don't yeah, – that's what I like about that. Okay. All right. I would say for Tiger it would be an issue, given yes. his warm-up, playing <laughs> late true. on one day. I, but it sounds like, you know, he's pretty – I don't know. It's a good break. He, the way the side of the draw he's on in terms of timing. All right. Who are some of your favorite t- tee times? Amusing. What about enjoyable. you? You start with one and I'll go next. I'll go with DJ Bryson and Finau just to kind of, I mean, mess with, I mean, Bryson's going to be wailing boy, away. A thick boy and two athletes. Yeah. Bryson's going to be wailing away while not to mention the thick boy, two athletes, but, what amused me, I don't. Other everybody else is like, "Oh, this is a bombers group." First thing I thought of was two teetotalers and DJ clash of lifestyles. One guy's a Mormon, other guy celebrates toast of the day's accomplishment with a tall glass of chocolate milk, and the third is DJ. Oh, <laughs> so it's kind of kind how about, of a how about yeah. the juke scoop we got? There you go. And I'm not saying being you know not drinking is a a bad thing. I'm just saying it's a different lifestyle. What's this jupe scoop? Now that we're the subject of DJ, not a hot piece of jupe scoop. Very good jupe correspondent. Yeah. Um, DJ might have been spending some of his uh, freshly minted FedEx cup money. (laughs) Bought a brand new, or not a brand new, a brand new to him boat. Former boat of Michael Jordan. Yeah. Just apparently a massive party boat. Yeah. What was it characterized as a floating floating party seven days a week? I think was how it was characterized. Now DJ may or may not be there. Who knows? But yeah, he's on MJ. He's got MJ's old boat apparently, according to the sources. Jupe scoops sources. Spending spending that hard earned FedEx uh, money. <laughs> All right, so that's that was what jumped out to me. Uh, DJ with Bryson and Finau. I you know. Bryce is just going to be coming out of his shoes, sitting at 30 yards offline. Finau is going to be swinging 80%. You know. Can we talk about DJ's uh, press conference too? Yes. Is he, oh, yes. Is he the yes. only man in the history of, of you know, like any only golfer that would like not know if, which he, played, if he played Winkfoot, if he had at been all. there? Yeah. Yes. I think he's up there. He's up there for sure. Maybe Billy's story about the guy on hallucinogens later would be another ca- candidate, but it was amazing. He's like, I think, you know, I thought I hadn't been here, but someone told me I was in a net jets outing. I guess it must've been the other course. I don't remember any of the holes. So a, he's not sure if he'd been there at all. B he's not sure what course, if he had been C he's relying on other people who are telling him it's kind of unbelievable. And then the other thing was people asked him, uh, someone local must have asked him, like, you know, there used to be an event in Westchester and like guys would come over, they go to Quaker, they play, you know, play courses in the area. 
Like, do you feel like you can do that anymore? And it looked like somebody was speaking a foreign language or an alien was asking a question. Goes, I huh? mean, I'm not sure I understand your question. You, why would somebody ask DJ that question? Well, then he kind of indirectly kind of dumped on the tour. He goes, I mean, this is a major championship. Uh, but, uh, you know, if it was some other event, I'd probably get over here and play, sneak out. So he's like dumping on the regular tour events and saying, which I guess, you know, makes sense. He's not going to go play some other course this week of a major. Anyways, those are my two amusing points of, of DJ, looking at the guy like he was speaking a foreign language and then not knowing if he'd ever played there before. Unbelievable. Well, anything else about that tea time? Uh, that You got it. You covered it. I mean, two guys that naturally hit it far and another guy who's worked his ass off to hit it far. How about winner, contender, MC? Ooh. That's pretty easy from that group. Did you see the line Bryson was taking on eight? What's going on with that? Can you elaborate on that? What? What? what, I, what? Just, I hope he does it in the tournament, and one of them hit it, like he catches it thin and it hits the tree. What is eight again? It's a hard. It's a dog leg right, hard dog leg right, four ninety, great green. I mean, I'm guessing he can hit it up there if he cuts the quarter to like a hundred yards, which is what he's doing, you know. Um, and I get that, but it's. It's just insane that that's even feasible. Do we have it confirmed he was getting it up and over with the five and a half degree loft driver? I guess he did. If if you know, we didn't hear any horror stories about. All right, it. I'm gonna say, what was the category? Winner, contender, MC for those three. Uh, so okay, it's I think it's easy. Yeah, DJ Fino Bryson. Right. Yeah. DJ winner. I think Fino could win here i mean yes. he's in the mix he, he's got a great short game ogilvy talked about how this course more than anything when he looks back was because of his short game phil's talked about that so i i really like guys that are flushers that chip it well and Finau's certainly one of those would you be more surprised if bryson made the cut or missed the cut oh. i i think he's gonna miss the cut is what i'm saying basically i'd be surprised if he's playing the weekend is that risky to say? That I mean, he's stupid? still he's a top ten player in the world, so I I'd, I'd take odds on him making the cut. I don't think he's going to be a fact. I just don't think you can overpower these greens. And yeah. I think a long hitter is probably going to win because most of the best players in the world are long hitters. But yep. I don't yep. think it's going to be because they overpower the golf course. Okay, what else you got? I got. Uh, I mean. How could I not bring up the the great mentorship? What's Adam that? Long is what? you know the sidecar in this event in this grouping. Edward Roussard, uh, an amateur, playing with Mike Lorenzo Vera. What MLV is gonna put his oh, arm around the young young oh, amateur? Give him life lessons. Teach him how to not not fall into the the trials and tribulations that he fell into debt partying too much <laughs> see i think this guy's gonna come out of this with a, a real father figure on tour for years <laughs> to come and mlv here's how not to owe the tax man a bunch <laughs> of money and go into debt all right i like that I, you started with adam law and i was like oh my god where are we who's your winner even... winner uh contender <laughs> god <laughs> miss cut I mean, winner MLV, I'll go with. I mean, what's Adam Wong thinking there? These guys are just going to be chattering away in French. Are they both French? 
Oh, no, I'm sorry. He's from Spain. Oh, Eduard Rousseau. It's got a Spanish name a little bit, right? I don't know. Rousseau? Rousseau? Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, I guess they're not French. Never mind. Uh, I don't know. Mike MLV winner, Adam Long contender, Eduard Rousseau. He's MC. from Spain, yeah. Yeah, the amateur. What else you got? What's another one that, that's uh, high on your list? All right. I got um, I got Hideki, Patrick Reed, and Jordan Spieth. Yeah. I have to say, nobody thought this was the case right after the breakup, when the infamous Ryder Cup split. But could we be living in a world where Spieth is hung up because he's lost his great Ryder Cup partner in Patrick Reed? And that's his game's never been the same. That's come on. That's not it. Stop. Could we trace it it back to the what was that? 2017? 2018, right? They broke up in France. So he hasn't won since then. He hasn't won since a lot of things. So I don't know if it was just then. Um, He played well in that Ryder Cup without him. Did he play well or did JT play well? Uh, They both played well. Um, Look, this is just, this is awful. Life's not good anyways. He's very, like, I heard there was a video last week where he goes, like, everything is just a mess. He was mumbling to himself. I I didn't see that at Safeway. Um, But now he's got to do it. He's got to hack his way to, like, a 78, 76 with Patrick Reed there. I just... Is there any hope for Jordan Spieth this weekend? Would you? Do you? I, I think mean, he actually thought, you know, this could be a spot where he just why? pops up because no, everybody's going to be playing from the rough. Okay, okay. It's just I, he like mitigates the driver. It's the last thing he wants though to be doing with Reed. Reed kind of getting off, watching him hack his way around and mumble to himself. Say he hits forty percent of his fairways, Spieth, and say the. The guy that wins hits sixty percent. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. way different than if he'd hit forty percent in a normal week, and the guy that wins hits like seventy-five. Yeah. Okay. Like I think right. it actually plays to an advantage. I I kind of think it mitigates driving accuracy a little bit because like you're just nobody's going to hit a lot of fairways. What about all the other stuff? Well, what that's about the what, iron he's, game. He's great the, on and around the green. Five footers, I guess. You're right. No, you're right. Someone suggested he puts well to me on Poe too. These are Poe greens. So, oh, yeah. they said compare it to Riviera Pebble. Someone suggested to me like they wouldn't be surprised. I'm sorry, I can't. Maybe it might have been Kevin Van Valkenburg. Like they wouldn't be surprised if maybe he had like a Beth Page type week where he just putted his mind out. That's what I'm lot. saying, and it's not as difficult to green for him. Where he's not at, he didn't start the tournament ten shots behind Brooks and DJ like he did at at Bethpage. He had no chance at Bethpage, no matter what. Yeah. yeah. At at Winkfoot, he actually has a chance. I think. Uh, I love Reed this week, actually. You do. I do. I, I just could see him winning this tournament. There's short game. Like, well, the there's green. seven holes that that a dr- is favorable to draw off the tee. There's four fade holes. Okay. Okay. And great around the greens is his weakness is driving accuracy, which I think, I don't know. I could be completely wrong about this, but I kind of think it's going to, the, the narrowness will just bring everybody together. It's not going to let anybody separate this great driver as much as it brings everybody closer together. The, 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 the sort of paradox of Reed is that it's just actually so fun to watch him play golf but he's this 
cheating a-hole you know uh, it, it's great to watch him shape shots and recover and and make short game shots like he's aesthetically very pleasing to watch pl- hit golf shots but there's just all the other stuff the family and everything else that comes with it all, all right. right winner winner read contender hideki mc spieth uh, I would do the same. Uh, you Hideki putting here? He's been putting decent. He's great around the greens too. I'd probably flip H- Reed and Hideki and say, you know, keep speed as the MC contender. Um, okay, next group for me: the Cowboys. Cowboy up, Ricky, who might be the apprentice in this case, to Matthew Wolf and uh, Victor Hovland. And I just had to say. I bring this up only to get off a shot that Ricky is now activating in the beverage space, you know, with us. Welcome to the beverage space, Ricky. He is now Corona Premier spokesman. I don't know if you saw that. New activation. My only surprise by that was that uh, there wasn't some, he wasn't conflicted out of having a beer already. I couldn't believe it. I was like shocked, floored when I saw Darren Ravel tweeting about it. Okay. Winner. Unbelievable. Winner from that. Who would you say? I, Probably, I'm gonna uh, go Ricky. Really, he's searching. But Ricky, would you say short game is just just nullifies the other two, Hovland and and? I don't Bull? know. No, no, I'm gonna go Hovland winner. Yeah, Ricky that's what contender. I, would say. I I hate doing this. I, I I hate doing this to Wolf. This is no bear. I just it, this is yeah. The way you got to pick feel. one. We're putting I'm you in go, this box. I'm going MC Wolf. Okay. I, I just. But okay. I, what about you? Uh, I think I go winner Hovland, contender Ricky. Ah, contender Wolf, MC Ricky, MC Ricky. <laughs> he gets good. two days of, of pushing Corona Premier, and then the weekend he can't. Uh, what's your next group? You got to. All right, like, this is the the group that I'd most like to join for a nice Saturday four ball. Okay. Rory McIlroy, Adam Scott, and oh, Justin Rose. Yeah, this is just delectable. Just a great group. Good personalities, more or less. Laid back, maybe not Justin Rose too much, you know. But, Thoughtful uh, conversation. You could relate. You feel like you could have a conversation with these human beings. They aren't robots. They they aren't. They seemingly have not lost touch with reality. Enjoyable to watch play golf. Yes. Swing the golf club. I wouldn't uh, like to watch uh, Justin Rose prance around the greens, aim pointing away, <laughs> but. That being said, this is the group that I'd most like to just play golf with. Okay. I agree. I don't know. Do you want to keep doing this winner contender Why MC not? thing? All right. All right. Winner, Rory. Eh, winner, Adam Scott. I'm going to go with Adam Scott. I like Adam Scott this week, too. Contender, Rory, based off the kid thing, which we'll get a lot of talking about. Fresh perspective, just new perspective. That'll be a cliche. And Rose is the MC. What about you? I played golf yesterday, and I can assure you I'd got no new father bump. <laughs> I was horrendous. I might, might have been bumped the other way. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, well, I would go, I'd do the same, uh, same as you. There. Okay. I, uh, okay. I really like Adam Scott's chances this week. Okay. You got any more? The last ones? We'll do one more. Groups? Yeah. Um, how about the Forks Up group? The, the Sun Devils? Yeah. I'll do the, Paul you're Casey. You're up over the Big Ten group? <laughs> well, I tweeted already. I don't want to step up. So the Big Ten group, Eric Van Royen. 
Who is it? Uh, uh, Tyler Duncan. Who's the third one? They're that forgettable. Tyler Duncan, Van Royen. Was Purdue, it? Minnesota, Illinois. Thomas Detry. 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 Could Detry win this? I don't know. I, he hasn't won on the European tour. Oh, so people not, are talking about how he's playing so well. He's playing great, but he hasn't won a European tour event. I'm not going to pick him to win the U.S. Open. So forks up, Phil, Casey, Rom. I just, I don't know. What Do you have anything you want to say about Phil? This seems to be an no, opportunity. No, I have nothing to, to say. It's just an activation opportunity yeah. for coffee for wellness. He has a lot of antipathy towards the USGA. I don't think he likes them. Um, and I think he's there to sell coffee. That said, part of what makes golf great is belief, right? You know, Tiger won the 2019 Masters. Tom Watson, you know, contended at Turnberry in 2009. Part of what makes the amateur game, the us hacks, is that maybe you can occasionally pull off the one in 100 shot. And the other 99 times, it kicks you in the ass. And that's what also makes golf great. Mm-hmm. I don't think he has much of a chance to win, but... You know, we're going to hear a lot about it, the story. Um, I don't have much else to say about Phil. All right. Winner, contender, Rom. MC. I think this is pretty easy. Rom, Casey, Phil. Phil's going to MC. All right. What are, what are some few other groups you got? My last one, Westy. Oh, God. He's Lee in Westwood. New York. In New York. Potential major champion does not chip the ball well at all. (laughs) (laughs) But maybe he can just ball strike his way to a title. Been so close. So many U.S. Opens. Uh, James Shugru. Yeah, the British Amateur Championship winner. Another mentorship opportunity. And just out of nowhere, Bubba. What a weird weird third to throw in there. What is that all about? We got these two, you know, UK guys. We're just going to throw Bubba in, too. Uh, yeah. Do you think he's going to a... talk to them about, like, uh, American versus, uh, you know, like, European culture? This, like, Pensacola candy shop or something like that, Panhandle candy store? I don't know. I don't I don't think Westy and Sugru would be too interested in that. I don't have a winner contender MC for that. That's very clear. Winner. Westy. Contender, Bubba, maybe I don't know. Could... God, who knows? And uh, and uh, MC Sugaru. Uh, last, we got to talk. Colin Morikawa, JT Tiger. Tiger. Um, I don't know what. What do you have to say about it? Three, uh, three great iron players. I mean, Tiger. I worry about Tiger playing in the cold. You're going to hear a lot about that and getting warmed up and all that stuff. Um, I don't know. I'd say Colin Morcow would be my pick to win of that group. I don't know if he can go back to back in, in the span of a month. Um, Tiger's already said this is this and Oakmont are the hardest course. Nothing, nothing pure, super revelatory about that. But that will be a feature group. What's Tiger no going to do? I think we're both always perpetually in the boat of anything that Tiger does won't surprise us. He could miss the cut. He could win. Yeah. He could finish fifth. And none of them would you tell me right now. I'd be like, oh, okay. Uh, I think he'll probably, you know, not contend. I don't know that I'll say he'll miss the cut, but I, I could see like a 46th or something like that. PGA. Similar what are to PGA. you doing? Winner, contender? Uh, uh, winner, I, I would, I'd honestly say Morikawa as a winner and contender JT with the 
Tiger MC. If you're forced, make forcing me to choose. What about you? I probably do the same. I think so. JT does miss a lot of cuts. Yeah. Yep. Hey, did the tour put the thumb on the scale with the Eastlake group? Horschel, Snedeker, and Shoffley? Aren't those all Calamity Jane winners, right? Am I wrong? Didn't they? So. Did they? What happened there? I don't know. Is that the USGA maybe just trying to illuminate that that's like Mickey Mouse or something? They put them all together so people would talk about that? I, I, I don't know. I thought I found that amusing. All right. Those are some featured tea times. Any others? You good? Got I'm them all good. out there? Any other storylines you're watching? Uh, Anything not else really. you're really interested in? I think we hit on it a lot with the course talk. I'm just really, really excited about the venue. Really excited to watch the U.S. Open in the fall. And that's it. How about you? You have any other things you want to hit on? I don't know. I, I hope there's something like Geronimo that gets, pops up. Of week. course. We'll keep an eye on all that. If it pops up, we're going to be doing dailies, right? Yeah. We're going to be talking. News, all I got is DJ wins player of the year. Scheffler wins rookie of the year. We don't need to add too much more to it. Uh, we heard Brandel's thoughts on it at the top. Is that how this works now? FedEx Cup winners just Seems like auto it. vote for POI? Okay. My last storyline, last thing I want to talk about. Is there a way that this becomes like a bitch fest at the USGA? Because this feels like there are a lot of guardrails up. Like these guys accept this course. They know that this is, it's got the pedigree, the history. It's going to be hard. Where could this creep up? Could something, we didn't get it at Pebble Beach. You know, we got it at Shinnecock. Is there, is there something where this becomes, whether fairly or unfairly, I'm not saying it's a fair critique. It could be Zach Johnson just flying off the handle. I don't know. Where the could greens. that happen? Okay. If they if they got him too fast or if they had a dicey pin, that's where it could get out of control. It's not like this dryness, like, but that would require them like having something get out of out of control, where maybe they like got him a half a foot too fast. You know, okay. uh, I think that's that's where it could go wrong. Which it's weird because like. These guys will complain about like having to chip out a rough, but if they can't hit the green after they find a bunker, they they complain. Yeah, right. That's a good point. That's a good. Point. But my only my only hope for that, I think, is just like, hey, you guys are playing a U.S. Open and pandemic, and didn't seem like there was going to be one. And let's not let's lay off because a lot of times, it just takes one guy to say one thing or one tweet, and like the media is just waiting to pounce on it. Like, Oh, they screwed up again. Oh, they've lost it. It's out of control. And that may or may not reflect the reality of the situation, but it becomes the story and the narrative. So it just feels like really hard to have happen this week, given on like these guys accepting, knowing that they're going to get their beat up a bit. It's uh, no, that's, that's all I got too. Okay. All right. It looked like you're about to launch into something that making us in trouble. I don't know. All right. Let's get to Billy. Are we doing Billy first? Yeah. We'll do we'll Polly do picks. And then Polly. One and done picks will come towards the end. Here's Billy Dratty, member at Wayne Foot, longtime caddy, creative director currently of Summit Golf Brands, and of course, B Dratty. We are now joined by Billy Dratty, creative director of Summit Golf 
brands and a past guest on the shotgun star we've done this with billy several times i think he picked the winner of the masters correctly at least once he's had other much you know famous picks uh, you know prior to majors so he's been a frequent guest and a friend of the program billy thanks for joining us brennan great to see you andy great to see you andy i hope fatherhood's treating you well Oh, it's it's been splendid. You know, lots of uh, lots of diapers changed. I'm I'm into the hundreds now. I feel real confident, especially with those those early morning, late night diaper changes. I I've got my whole process down. I got it down to about a minute and a half procedure. That's pretty good. Uh, are you are you are you lifting and wiping in one move? You know. <laughs> I am. Gotta, I do gotta, do the lift and What wipe. is that called? A hog, hog tie the hog tie the uh, ankles and then and do the swipe up. I recently, <laughs> you know, my wife made me recently change my methodology. I now I put the diaper, the new diaper, below before I take the old diaper off because she's had a tendency to pee and poo while I'm changing, which is maybe the worst oh, yeah. feeling in the world. It's, it's like it's kind of like watching a tee shot just sail the complete wrong way that you want. There's nothing you can do. And yeah. it's just, a, it's like 15 seconds of just agony. Yeah. <laughs> but you don't mind, actually. You don't, I mean, in any other situation, you know, if it was, you know, whatever, yeah. it's, you know, right. you would be freaking out. But it's your own kid and you just sit there, you grin and bear it. Yeah, you just, you just sit up. Well, should have had a towel nearby or something, but now I got the now I got the substitute diaper in. Yeah, well, there I should have ducked. <laughs> it's amazing your standards, you know, for what acceptable like human interaction, human contact changes when it's your own offspring quickly. Yeah. Uh, all right, I have no easy segue from that. Uh, well, I, I I I had thought of something. We should start a pool on how many pounds we think that Andy's going to gain. Uh, now becoming a father because I, I'm sure Brendan, you can speak to it. Yeah, I I think I I calculated it was something like 30 pounds from the time uh, I, we didn't have any kids to yeah. probably peaking at 30 pounds uh, gaining weight. Yeah, that sounds that sounds right. It's significant, and now I, I have my fourth, and I'm done, and I'm I'm on the trend back downward. So yeah, God bless let's, you. Let's set a set a pool for that. I'm sure, <laughs> yeah. Andy. Yeah, you know, it's like now you guys are challenging me. It's uh, you're turning on my competitive nature. That's not going to happen. It's out of your control. What if it goes? What if the weight goes down? That means you're not trying hard enough. (laughs) That's fantastic. Yeah, we're gonna gonna have to keep an eye on that. Uh, Okay, Billy. It is U.S. Open week at Wingfoot Wingfoot Golf Club. It is. Three months later, maybe than originally planned, but I think we're all, if not, you know, there's a recency bias. It is one of the most anticipated U.S. Opens, certainly since I've been really covering this. I think there's just excitement, gratitude to have it, given the current year, gratitude to kind of see this course, see this club, given its history, given its place in the U.S. Open uh, championship history, and given the time of year, I think it's fascinating to to see Wingfoot this time of year. I was thinking about uh, it. I think we were playing golf. The three of us were out there uh, this weekend last year. Yep. Yes. It was yep. right after Memorial Day. It, it was. Or it was week two of the NFL, and here we are, week two of the yep. NFL. Yeah. Yep. Yes. I think that's right, and our all-time day for sure. So, yeah. let's get into what is your personal 
history with Wingfoot? How are you attached to your experience, your yeah. life, uh, uh, getting to know the club and course? So uh, my dad started as a caddy there. And uh, in 59, he actually caddied in the U.S. Open for Tom Neoporti, who uh, eventually became the head professional at, at Wingfoot. Uh, they played their practice rounds with Billy Casper, who uh, was the eventual winner. And uh, so then, you know, if you fast forward till I think I think it was 76, my, 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 my pop became a member. And so I, I grew up playing golf there. Um, I caddied there as well. Uh, you know, played a lot of junior golf, got kind of indoctrinated into golf, kind of through the culture at Wingfoot, you know, which was uh, back then there was no shorts. You always had to, uh, you know, you always had to have uh, long pants on. Um, Hot summers. Yes, yes. <laughs> Uh, and I would say, and I think Andy, you asked me this, uh, at the PGA show, you know, has it changed? And of course it's changed, but it's, you know, it's, uh, it's still kind of the same, uh, aura that, that like the aura that hangs over my kids when they're there is exactly the same aura that hung over me. Now the world has changed and so it's relative, but it still is, you know, a, a, a traditionalist type place. And, uh, and so I, I ended up joining as an adult, uh, uh, I guess it was in 08. So I've been a member now uh, on my own for 12 years. And, uh, you know, my kids play junior golf there. Uh, my brother's a member as well. Uh, you know, for a, for a, you know, a very much of a, you know, a, a worldwide golf uh, venue, it has a very family atmosphere to it at the club, which I think makes it a little bit unique. You know, there's a lot of families that have been there for a long time and, you know, uh, a lot of families spend time there together and play golf together. Were, were you, do you have recollection of 74 US Open? You obviously probably have some uh, association with 84, 06. 74 yeah. is that you were uh, 70 i was i was six years old okay but, i was gonna say you know what you always heard about was you know there was jack nicholas you know four putted the first green sure johnny miller after you know having a uh an incredible open at oakmont really struggled there um tom watson i think you know had his best tournament to date going and kind of faltered on sunday and hail Irwin won but, you know, the, the, there was the book, The Massacre at Wingfoot, and I think that kind of covers it. So let's get into the logo specifically. You are a, a yeah. fashion, I don't know, you know, fashion style yeah. expert. This has been, you've had a lifetime in it. There, you're there, a yeah, designer you're yourself. To, yes, you're yes. a logo designer yourself. What is it? I think, you know, everything's subjective sometimes when it comes to these, but there's a consensus Developed on Wingfoot, it's a great logo. It's one of the best, if not the best. What it, what about it pops? What about it makes it so special it, and stand out? Certainly in a crowded place. It lost club. in the uh, it lost in the finals of Logo Madness when it yes, yes. Well, yeah. to, to, to a good Marian. one though, to Marion. It got yeah, to the final. The, the two of them absolutely just demolished every logo in their path on in our bracket of sixty four. But they, it fell to uh, Marion in the in the finals, which was you know good run. Yeah. So, so what about it has changed over the years, if anything, subtly or, or significantly? And why, what makes it so good? Uh, well, the simplicity of it, I think, is what makes it what makes it good, easily identifiable. You know, 
Um, and uh, that's what makes it a great identifiable logo. It's, and, and it's easy to kind of do the math on what it yeah. means, you know. Right. Um, and uh, over the years, it, they've just kind of simplified it a little bit. Uh, I mean, I've got, you know, the original program uh, from when they opened the uh, golf course and it's more golf ball behind it but it was still a winged foot. Um, and then they've just over the years kind of simplified it. Uh, actually the U S opens have been a part of simplifying it because they create their own version of the logo. And for a little while they adopt it, but it's, it just become more kind of, I say user-friendly because, because we embroider a lot of garments with it, uh, easier to embroider, you know, uh, all of those logos of that age are very much hand sketched and it makes it difficult to reinterpret that with an embroidery machine. So it's just become a little bit simpler. Excellent. Excellent. Um, what, so what, USGA, are the mean, what are the meaning? Is it just winged feet? Was there any deeper meaning behind, behind it? Yeah. So uh, it was, uh, that is the, the winged foot is the logo of the New York athletic club. Uh, on 7th Avenue and Central Park South uh, in Manhattan. And uh, so the New York Athletic Club had all these kind of interesting relationships with different sports where they would start a separate club within the New York Athletic Club. They'd have a boxing club. They'd have a track club. Um, and so there was a golf club within the New York Athletic Club. And I guess at the time they were, uh, this is the early 20s, maybe late 1900s, they were talking about buying a course for the New York Athletic Club golf club, the group of people. And I guess it went to the membership and they balked on it. So th that golf club within the New York Athletic Club, they went out and, and uh, bought the land of Marinette and then hired uh, Tillinghouse uh, to design what they call two man-sized golf courses. Mamaronek. That was the request. Not Mama Mamaronek. Yeah, Mamaronek. Is that what you called it first, Andy, when we were there last year? Is that, complete, I could see you pronouncing it that way. It's a complete joke. Mamaronek. <laughs> All right. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Billy, you talked a little bit about the aura of the place. It has two great championship courses, and we, we those are being dissected at length this week. Um, and I, I read a great piece from Michael Bamberger that got into that this week, uh, this morning about the mystique aura. And you don't hear just members; you hear Davis Love the Third commented on that beyond just the course, beyond just the challenge. Hale Irwin, I think, used the word aura. Um, and I, this is kind of it gets in that vein of like writing about music is like dancing about art. It's hard to say, put it in words, but in your best way, how, how can you explain that aura of, of Wayne foot beyond just the championship golf? Well, I, I think the cl whole club is about golf. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, when they, when they built it, you know, they, they were very deliberate in, in how they created it and what they wanted it to be. I mean, it's in the club's bylaws that, that Wingfoot has to hope host national championships, mm -hmm. you know, to give back to the golfing community. So I, I think they were very uh, specific in what they wanted it to be. Um, and I think it, it has really held on to that through the years. You know, there hasn't been, an overhaul or, or we don't need to do this anymore. You know, when a lot of clubs were, you know, were saying, well, we don't want to, 
host national championships because it's a hassle. You know, people looked at the bylaws and said, you know, this is what this club was created for. And, and hence we have to do it, you know? Um, so I think, you know, there's that respect for the game that I think uh, transcends the course. And I think also people like to have fun there, which, which makes it a, a relaxing and nice place to be, you know? Yep. Yep. It's a, it sounds like a great hang, you know, the championship course with a great hang. It's hard. Sometimes it's hard to thread that needle. I think Wingfoot has it. Yeah. I mean, um, you, you, I mean, you, you were there, you, yeah. you got a feel for it. You know, you probably saw a lot of people that look like they could be cousins of yours or, <laughs> you know. Right. I would say that just reading Michael and I don't, you know, obviously consider myself fortunate reading Michael Bam, he's like, you are intimidated when you go in the gate for the first time uh, as a guest, there is that kind of, I'm going to someplace sacred, but you also feel comfortable. It's hard to kind of explain that duality, but it exists where you are grateful to be there, intimidated a little bit, but super comfortable and sort of happy to be there. So yes. it, it's, it's a, a great combination. Um, what, part of that art, Go ahead. Yeah, what are, what are some of your favorite uh, stories from Wingfoot lore? Some of the things that have uh, built up that aura. Yeah, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, when, when you hear about, uh, you know, obviously when you hear about the national championships, that's, you know, that's very much, uh, you know, that's a part of our history. And that's something that the outside world, you know, has reference to and they, and they, you know, in some case have witnessed it or heard about it. But, you know, I think like our, our tradition of, of, of the Anderson Memorial, um, you know, John G. Anderson was an incredible uh, amateur. He was also a golf writer and uh, he died young. And, and, you know, the membership, you know, really early on, I, I mean, I think it, the first year they did it was in maybe 33 or 34. So, you know, with minus 10 years of the whole existence of the club, they've been doing this national four ball amateur, which is, is, it's so much fun. It's such a great event. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, there's like, I, I said about my dad caddying there, my, probably my favorite story. And it's actually getting told a lot this week. Um, you know, is, when my dad played those practice rounds or he wasn't playing, he was caddying and Mr. Neoport, he was playing the practice rounds with uh, Billy Casper, you know, uh, Casper over the time of playing those practice rounds determined on the third hole that it wasn't worth, you know, going after the, going after the pin on that hole. It was, it was much better to just hit it up into the throat of the, of the hole and, and play, you know, play for a chip and a putt par than to risk, you know, having a five uh, or a four on that hole, you know, you know, getting into trouble with the bunkers or, you know, left or right or over is even worse. So um, that kind of characterizes, you know, the whole place. And um, I don't know if that's a great story, but. No, this is for both of you. Do you think we see that this week at all? I saw Golf Channel last, last night had Trevor Elman doing his tee to green thing doing a lot of chips from the front of three is there any chance i think it's 234 on the card that maybe it's not deliberate layup but guys taking less club is there is this just not different era not going to happen guys are going for the you know for the green i think Andy? i think, I think the sand game is so much better now go ahead yeah i think i think that you'll see you might see a lot of guys aiming like a lot of guys will say we're just going to hit it to the front edge every day, and if we yeah. hit it up the, you know, if we're in that front bunker, 
you know, it's not that bad of an up and down. We can, you know, and like Billy said, I mean, they in 59, you know, they just started using sand wedges. Like they didn't have the 60 degree. They didn't have the, you know, that uh, pro angle sand that seemingly like if you just touch anywhere around the ball, it's coming out of it. You know, it's just completely different era of golf technology wise and from both the sand and i think you'll see a lot of guys just hit it front edge you know i think that's a common case with usga us opens usga events is you know you start to throw out what the middle green number is or or what the pin number is and it's just become so much about the front edge number because if you hit that front edge you're never going to get yourself into too much trouble um so yeah. I think that's the way a lot of guys will approach a lot of holes out there, including like the third, you know, being in those bunkers for these guys is, you know, probably one of the better spots you can be on that hole. Yeah. Especially like, like, uh, like number six, you know, number six could be, it's a short hole, you know, and it could be really daunting if <coughs> they were ungroomed bunkers or something like that. But, I would imagine guys are just going to hit driver. And if they end up in the bunker, yeah. well, that's great. You know? Yep. Yep. Already seen a little bit of that telling, you know, strategists telling players just wail away on that hole. Yeah. Um, all right. So, so one thing when we were there, this course that's hosted championships, it's been around a while. Uh, what is something, what is your favorite piece of memorabilia around the clubhouse? There's all okay. sorts of, I was reading a lot about that today. There's all sorts of markers, not necessarily monuments, but plaques or pictures or things around the clubhouse. There's ample to choose from what's one that you love the story of or love the look of. Okay. So uh, there's this picture in the men's locker room and I actually just, I, I didn't even know it was available to buy. And I just bought it like two <laughs> weeks ago. And I actually just got it here at the house. Oh! Oh no! I hope it's I still didn't intact. Put it up that well. Yeah, it's oh, intact. No. <laughs> it's intact. All right. All right. <laughs> so uh, let me see if you guys can get this here. All right. We got so it. This is so. This is the 29 Open. Uh, Bob Jones. This is, yeah, Bob Jones. Okay. So now look into the crowd and see if you can uh, see another iconic figure in the picture. Is that the one that Babe Ruth's in? Yes. Did I show it to you when we were there? I think so. I I, I just think when you said that, I I thought you were going to ask me what hole it was. And I was like, I can't tell you that from with the glare. But uh, yeah, Yeah, it's it's a picture. It's a picture of Bob Jones uh, on uh, on the on the ninth hole. And and uh, Babe Ruth is is kneeling or he's squatting inside the ropes right behind him with a big cigar in his hands. And I just think it's the coolest picture. I'm a big baseball fan, big Yankees fan. And to have those two iconic guys, you know, uh, and to sh- see Babe Ruth, like, so, you know, interested in another athlete, you know. Right. Um, I just think it's cool. You know, it'd be like, it's like Michael Jordan, you know, inside the ropes watching Tiger Woods. Sure. It's just, yeah, most famous athlete in the world, just kind of casually there amongst the crowd watching Bob, Bobby Jones. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. Uh, all right. What about, uh, you know, since 06, what's the buildup and anticipation been for this specific 2020 open? We're now 14 year break. Uh, the club course has changed moderately. You know, obviously we had the 
major restoration with Gil Hans. Uh, you know, holes are a little longer. What's been the buildup from a club perspective, buildup in, t- in anticipation in that 14-year interval? Well, I think that the, the you know the the restored golf course is really the is is really the story, and and you guys have shown it so well, you know, with those drone photos that Andy did. That's Andy. I yep. mean, it, it's it's hard. It, I mean, as someone who grew up there, it's hard to see the changes. You know, when you're standing on the fairway, it's not till you till you get up and you see the shape, the real shape of the greens and and the way they're cutting them and, uh, and, and the way Andy shot it with the shadows, you could see the different, you know, the different uh, hole placement areas that they've created. Um, I think that's just so exciting because when you look at the aerial photos from the twenties, then where we were in, let's say in uh, 2013, and then where we are now, it is a more accurate, you know, reflection of what Tillinghouse, you, you know, intended. And I think that's just very exciting. And uh, not that I think there was anything wrong in 06, but this is just a, a more truer interpretation of, of Tillinghouse vision. And I think that's genius. And Gil did such a great job with it. I mean, the course is in spectacular condition. And this time of year is always, this is when we hold our member member event because it's always the best conditions. Yeah, that's I. I think the the date obviously it stinks for the you know the f- going up on TV against the NFL football on Sunday and you know Saturday you'll have college football and and that's not ideal. But from a pure golf standpoint, and for the diehard golf fans that are tuning in, regardless of when the U.S. Open is on, September is such a better t- date to play golf in in New York than uh, than oh, June. Yeah. And uh, I think the weather forecast looks like it's going to be spectacular. We're going to even get some layer season. It's going to be, it's going to. Yeah, I mean, I, I put this sweatshirt on because I needed it today. You know, I've got chronic sweat disorder. I, <laughs> I start sweating as soon as I walk outside, but it was chilly this morning. It was nice. Fantastic. Uh, Andy, what else you got? I got a couple here listed, but go ahead. Yeah. I, I would say what, uh, what are some of your favorite holes uh, that you're going to watch this week? You know, what are, what are the ones well, that you're excited to see the world's best players play on It's being a member and somebody that plays the course regularly? Yeah, I, I think I think one in 18 are really the, the signature holes of, of the of the course. You know, when people ask me what the difference between the East and West is, I usually say one in 18. You know, one in 18 are world class starting and finishing holes. I mean, truly memorable. And, you know, the guts of the East course isn't in one and 18 it's what's you know in between one and 18 so i think those two holes are are really important and then i think i'm lucky enough to have gotten stationed on number 15 uh to be one of the laser operators so uh i think 15 is a really really interesting hole you know it's not long but they have to they have to kind of make a decision whether they want to try and go over the creek or not um you know, if they're over the creek, it's still not an easy shot. You got a, a tight lie, uh, you know, usually with the with the ball below your feet, with a sand wedge in your hand, hit, hitting it onto a banana-shaped green with all these berms. It's going to be, you know, I would actually rather be, you know, on the other side of the creek, you know, with, with a little bit more club in my hand. Um, I think that's a great hole, and it's an interesting hole, and, and it's it's not a hole where if you bomb it, you're actually in a better better condition. You have to be strategic. 
I saw Jim Nance wrote a long article on Golf Digest about a composite course. Did you guys see that? East I, and I West combined. Seen that article he, yet? He wrote yeah. a long article. I remember at Waynefoot as well. Billy, have you ever contemplated that? The this is my favorite hole here. This is my is favorite there, hole here. Is there a composite <laughs> course for a member event? Has there ever yeah. been one? No. That's how I have a, uh, that's I was gonna a, say, that's a huge that's miss. A... I've never, I've never even heard anyone talk about it. It's, it's almost sacrilegious because. I was gonna say it sounds like anathema to really kind of mix the. Yeah. I don't want to throw, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus at the club, but it seems like you, you need a few more creative minds out there. No. you know, get a, get a composite event going. Oh, you think so? Yeah. That's, hey, it's fine. <laughs> why, why, why would you, you got two, you know, top 100 golf courses and you want to make one, it's going to be better? Hey, Royal, Royal, Melbourne, has two, Royal Melbourne has two top 100 courses and they have a composite course. Why not, why not course. play 36, Andy? Why not play all 36? I yeah, could do you that go. too, but I'm just, there, I'm yeah. just saying that a, a composite course Anyways. would be pretty neat. Okay. Jim yeah. Nance proposed that. I had not ever heard that in regards to Wayne Foot. I was wondering if you had other. I, I no, no. It's not even people never even talk about it. I mean, I'm not, I'm not. You know, I'm trying to be funny, but you know, yeah. it actually, it's, it's never, it's not. No one really talks about it. Okay. Okay. I mean, the two courses do have a very different vibe to them. Uh, How so? How do they have a different vibe? The East is the East. You can kind of fake it till you feel it, like. The start is really kind of like it, it, the first hole's kind of easy. You got a par five, you got the easiest of the par threes. And so you can kind of, you know, without having a great range to really get your game going before you get out there, it's, it's a nice way to start around. Um, and if you don't have your, you know, your, your shoes laced up on the West, you could easily be four over after four holes and be hitting it great. You know, it's mm. just, it's, it's a lot more a true test right from the start, you know? So, um, yeah, I, 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 and I like both of them for that reason, yep. you know? Yep. Yep. Uh, last one. Do you have anything on the caddy front that won't get you into trouble that either your dad as when he was caddying, when you yourself were caddying any, or as, a member or somebody caddying for you, legendary caddy stories, whether they're humorous, odd, uh, yeah, excellent, yeah, I've, whatever I've they a are. Good one. Okay. So uh, there was this great caddy at Wingfoot and he, and he just passed over the winter and his name was TC and he was a Jamaican guy and he was just one of the kindest, gentlest, nice guys you've ever met. And, you know, I've known him, you know, for 40 years. And when I was in, you know, my teenage years, he was definitely, you know, he was living to his Jamaican roots and maybe even a little bit more than that. You know, I would say he was probably high every day he was there. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if he was doing a little bit more than that, you know, at least once a week or something like that. He used to love caddy for my dad. And uh, so my dad had come back from Florida and uh, and uh, and TC was caddying for him for his first round afterwards. And like I said, TC, I think this day might have been where he had would take some hallucinogens. And uh, and so he puts the bag down and TC starts looking at the bag. And my dad was working for Eyes on Lacoste at the time, so he had a big alligator on it. And and, and so all of a sudden, out of my dad's bag starts crawling this, you know, semi-big turtle. And so the turtle kind of peeks his head out, and TC literally jumped 
like he saw a ty Tyrannosaurus Rex. <laughs> like he was like spooked. I mean, uh, and like That's every and every time I would you know go out with him, and he'd be like, "Oh, I remember the day when your dad." <laughs> That's a good I mean, one. A memorable trip for him, that's for sure. <laughs> Unreal. That's the good caddy story. I love it. I love it. Great caddy uh, story. All right, Billy, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, so this sounds like really a great Who's, week for you, for the club. Oh, yeah, you've got to get a pick? winner. Gotta, yeah, you're the one of the few people who picked a winner. I uh, My pick for this, for this championship is Webb Simpson. Webb? Ah. The Webber. Webb. Okay, yeah. I, I like that. That's just, yeah. gonna, gonna have to overcome another awful pairing. He just, I don't know what he did when he was coming up in golf that he just, he gets terrible pairings every single who time. Who's he with? Day and who else? Jason Day, I think. Jason Somebody's Day. slow, I believe. Another slow, um, slow play. I can't, for, I can't remember. But, but the that's pairings a good pick. aren't as bad now without fans. You know, it's like, like playing with Tiger isn't what it usually is playing with tiger right sure yeah i mean it was pretty different. cruel putting uh, uh making jordan spieth play with patrick reed since their divorce you know spieth's taking this divorce worse than reed it looks like based <laughs> off their game right. really right yeah a little and sandy lost not in the field so <laughs> that's oh, right wait, that's wait, wait. Oh, he's playing with Before Sergio. We... He's playing with Ser Big Tex Sergio. He's probably going to be in this Big Tex outfit. It's the U.S. Open. Webs with Sergio. Yeah, that's that's the thing. They did this. I saw um, all these guys, these foreign guys, you know, they dress them up in red, white, and blue. It's it's kind of amazing. They're if I have like, a, a, uh, um, like an American flag on his shirt or something this week, you know, Adidas will get him into some some ridiculously ugly shirt. Yeah. <laughs> I got I, one thing I wanted to bring up with you guys. We haven't gotten a chance to talk about it. I I had uh, I had the U.S. Mid-Am champion over here for dinner the other night, Lucas Michelle, and we we started talking about the Bryson video, and he had never seen it. And if Caddy was here too, he had never seen it. I mean, is this the quarantine one where he's yeah, you know looking? Video. Okay, okay. And what I, was the I, reaction? I, I, just well, bewilderment. They, they thought he. I mean, because I had started the coverage with saying I think he's got a personality disorder, <laughs> and they thought it was a little extreme. And then I showed the video, and they're like, "Oh my god, this is absurd!" <laughs> with the with the with the pool skimmer, you know, going after the <laughs> the branches stuck in the tree. I told Make somebody. It... I told somebody about that too recently. That was in golf that missed it. And they yeah. texted me like hours later after they watched it. Like, I can't believe I've watched that three times. I just can't believe it exists. <laughs> I think making bacon in a frying pan with no shirt yeah. on. No, it seems treacherous. Seems yeah. physically dangerous, that, quite honestly. Yeah. That's a man that's My never made bacon so before in his life. <laughs> it's a sign. You, you, nobody, anybody that's ever made bacon in a frying pan knows you don't do it without a shirt on because you're going to get yeah. the grease yeah. splashing right against you. Yeah, yeah, and that that's hotter than hot boiling water. I mean, that's yeah. like that leaves a scar. Not ideal. My wife was creeped out by him, you know, with like all you see is his his head and his naked arms and the couch, you know, and he's like looking forward and 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 she was just like, oh my god, it's so creepy. You only, I mean, you can't help but think that he's completely naked if that's what he's showing you. 
<laughs> it was it was professionally done for some reason or attempted professionally done, right? It was, somebody yeah. was hired to do that. So the yeah. quarantine video. I said it's like uh, Kenny Powers' assistant in Eastbound and Down. You know that. Like, that guy that around with him? Yeah, yeah. That's, that, that's who Bryson has. A guy like that. A yeah. fall guy. All right. Um, anything else, Andy? You good? That's, I'm good. I'm good. That's Nothing fantastic like a, way re- to end. Yeah, recapping uh, the old Bryson quarantine. The quarantine it's video. The gift that never stops giving. No. Are you guys going to share with me your picks, or are you going to do it at the end of the show? I don't have one yet. Andy, do you have one? I think I'm going to take John Robb. Pretty okay. set, pretty set on that. I was always going to take him at Augusta, but at this point, I just think he's perfect for Wingfoot. I like Xander Shoffley. Uh, that may not be my official pick, but it's my official pick right now okay. with you, Billy. Well, we'll give you so. till Wednesday okay. uh, at uh, the stroke of midnight. <laughs> Appreciate that. Uh, Billy, thanks so much for joining us. You're always gracious with your time. I know it's a busy week, exciting week for you. Sounds like you'll be working there 15 a little bit. Make sure yeah, you get every day. lasered in. I mean, we need yeah. exact numbers here in the media. I'll get the green. I'll be All right. up there. All right. Fantastic. So right. congrats to you. Congrats to Wayne Foote. Uh, and again, thanks for joining us. All right, we now welcome in Fried Egg Polly, Polly of EliteFantasy.com, our old friend, our old picks guru, fantasy guru, gambling guru, and uh, sort of indulger, indulger of our idiocy about Ian Woosnam and other long shot picks. Polly, welcome back. What's up, guys? How's it going? It's going well. It's going well. Polly, let's get to it. Wingfoot, a U.S. Open course. Is there, I think, People generally have an understanding of what's in demand, but from a fantasy perspective, a gambling perspective, are there certain traits that you are paying close attention to this week in a player? Yeah, definitely in this course, it's going to be one of the hardest U.S. Open venues, and the same thing we've seen in the past when they've had it here. So what that means is guys aren't able to fake it around here. You're going to have to hit the ball well uh, off the tee and on approach, and then you're also still going to also have to have a short game because – Everybody in this field is going to miss greens. We saw it when they had the U.S. Open here last time. I think the person who led the, the field in greens regulation still missed a third of their greens. Amazing. Um, any So my wife and I have been, I got to admit, we've been driving across state lines to Pennsylvania to make, you know, to make bets last week. We kind of disguised Browns, it as like Browns bets. Yeah, we kind of disguised it as like, you know, we're going to take good Browns bets going to take the kids to Gettysburg for a driving tour, but then just started gambling once we got across Maryland into Pennsylvania. I think we're going to go up tomorrow for the U.S. Open. Are there any specific um, sort of bets? I don't know if it's props, if it's players specifically, if there's value picks. What's without the winning giving... score prop? Uh, uh, I mean, I've seen it at a couple places. It's not up everywhere, but it, it's been about one and a half under par is the over-under. Wow. Okay. okay. I'm going to put it at 0.5. Really? So you think it's going to be lower, Andy? I think I think it's going to be right. I think like even par would be my like guess. Do you think the USGA is going to be try to be benevolent here, benevolent in terms of Wingfoot history? Probably. Or is it just equipment and everything have changed how these? I don't, I don't winnings... know. Okay, uh, Polly, what and done strategies? Now it's obviously late in the year, late in the game. It's a major championship with a massive purse. Is there any kind of strategy you change up other than just pick the damn guy you think is going to win? Yeah, I mean, there, there's kind of two ways to approach it. If you're near the top of the leaderboard, you're going to want to take your best available player here. Uh, okay. Unless you want 
they have the person for the masters. Uh, other than that, if you're further down the leaderboard, you're going to want to take someone that's a little bit further down the board and, and hoping that, you know, kind of the chalk players up on top don't play well and your guy happens to win and maybe you can you make some, uh, make some ground up in the standings. All right. Uh, Andy, who's your one and done pick this week? Let's jump right to it. I want to hear. I've, I've wavered off my, uh, my pick for Rom uh, as the Masters. I'm going Rom this week. He does everything well. That's what you want to okay. see. He chips, he chips well, you know, which is another big thing uh, with the, you know, you're going to miss screens, as Polly mentioned. Okay. What about you, Polly? I mean, I actually like John Rom this week, too. I mean, if you look at the two courses he's won at recently, we're looking at, right, at, at Mirfield Village and Olympia Field, both courses that, were kind of similar to this in terms of being firm, fast, and difficult to where par was a good score. And sloping greens, too. Correct, like yep. Big slopes on greens. That, that's why I like. I was going to take – I think I'm going to go for the launch shot. Just not a launch shot. No. Not launch shot in terms of odds, but launch shot in terms of curses. And I think Tony Finau breaks the PR curse, which is runs against everything we've wow. been sort of – you know, prophesizing on this podcast for the year about the PR curse and it's kind of how it's infallible. I think Tony Finau is going to win. That's Paul, my one and done pick. Polly, I have a question. As an experienced gambler, <laughs> do you believe that the PR curse is real? There is no such thing as a curse. <laughs> Are you a Cubs fan? Uh, I, I am not. No, I'm not. Okay. All right. No. There you go. Uh, okay. Wow. Andy, you want to run I'm through sure. your draft? Just uh, that quickly, just. You didn't yeah, know no that curse. Okay. I'm just saying no. I'm shook in the sense of like, you know, somebody could just with all the confounding evidence for a curse, just throw the curse. Uh, there's no curse. Yeah. Correlation does not mean causation, Andy. I would See, think the- someone as sharp as, as Polly been in the gambling game isn't relying on car- curses to make his picks. If Victor Hovland and Finau never win again, w- do you think there would be a curse? Do you think the curse is real? No. <laughs> There you go. That doesn't need much more explication. All right. Andy, do you want to run through your DraftKings lineup here? Oh, yeah. we'll, then we'll just start we talking about last time. Is it DraftKings? Do we care about a, a service here? We have no deal. The FanDuel might have also. Is I don't it even know. Is similar pricing, Paul? Do you know? I haven't, I haven't yeah. ever used yeah, most, FanDuel. Most, most of the pricing similar across the sites because they all derive their pricing based upon the odds to win. So most okay. of the pricing are pretty close. So you can tell we're deep in this scene. Uh, All right. I'm going to start with at the top of my lineup. My most expensive player is also my one and done pick. I'm taking John Rahm. Do you like that, Polly? I, I, I actually agree with that. He's one of the guys that I should like to, to play this week for fantasy. I Who's feel like DJ's expensive? way too expensive. He's a, uh, DJ's 11500 Rahm is 11000 yeah, I mean, in reality, they're both pretty much similar players. DJ just had a little bit more, you know, success over the last month in terms of actually like closing the deal. But other than that, that's uh, they're two pretty good choices up there. Does the gambling community like look at that tour championship as a win, or do they look at it as a Xander Shoffley win? Uh, it, it depends what market you bet on because they had both markets out there for odds, odds to oh, win the event, like low leader. score, and then odds to actually like win the tour championship. So uh, there you go. That's that's fascinating. I feel like DraftKings is, is acting like he won the tour championship. Well, they got a relationship with the PGA Tour. They're like an official bet partner, so that doesn't surprise me at all. They got a thumb on the scale, carrying the water there. So, 
Do you um, like anybody else in this if you wanted to avoid Rom? Uh, if you want to avoid Rom, I'd probably go down to Shoffley next at 10,100. Uh, just because a- he plays, plays very good major, really good ball striker. Better question, who would you want to avoid that's very expensive? All these names that are sexy and that we tend to put in the you know top of the world rankings. Is there anyone just stay the hell away from right now? I mean, I, I wouldn't be touching Rory McIlroy this week. I, I, just wow. don't, I just don't think his game is meant to be played on super firm, difficult golf courses. It's more going to be the aerial attack with the, with the softer conditions like we've seen at, you know, Kiowa or Congressional. Wow. Or TPC Sawgrass. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it makes sense. When you're talking about a, such a competitive set as those expensive guys, and they're all favorites for one reason or another. Rory does seem like one of the guys you'd want to rank towards the bottom of that group. He's a long way from Panavidra. <laughs> That's true. That's true. All right, my uh, next most expensive guy is, is Finau. I'd say he's in that sec- top end of the second-tier bucket. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of good guys in this range that kind of rate out equally. And Finau's definitely a play I wouldn't mind uh, having in my roster this week. Okay. Well, who's, who is the first choice or priority amongst those sort of... Uh, I, I mean, like there's... Adam Scott. Yeah, there, there's like four guys in this tier that are pretty similar. That's Berger, Finau, Matsuyama, and Fleetwood. I mean, Fleetwood last week, he played over in Portugal and had one of his best iron uh, games ever. He gained like over 10 strokes on approach. So if he brings that back over here, it's kind of like the Fleetwood we've seen the last couple of years, and he could, you know, contend uh, at a U.S. Open here again. He's pretty good around the greens, too. I think he was like top 50 last year in strokes gained around the greens, if I recall correctly. That sounds about right. Hey, while we're on the subject, what do you think of Morikawa this week? How how are you on him right now? I mean, obviously – He's a very sexy name. Yeah, just not at that price. I mean, he's okay. pretty much the same price as Xander Shoffley, or I'd rather just pay $1,000 more and get John Rahm. Okay. All right. And, and uh, what about Tiger? <laughs> Tiger? I'm, I'm not. wild card. <laughs> the, the, the one other thing to note about it is the temperatures are going to actually be really cold here. Uh, so, yeah. like, Friday through Sunday, the morning low is going to be, like, 45 degrees. So, yeah. when we're talking about a guy who's got, you know, back problems still, if he has to play in the morning, like on a Friday morning or even a Saturday morning, it's not going to be most conducive probably to, to him playing well. And we know what his struggle has been over his career has been keeping it in play off the tee. And you don't do that at Wingfoot, you're getting penalized. Also not putting well at all, right? Correct, now. yeah. Uh, what about hey, guys to stay if, away? Go ahead, Andy. Am I an idiot if I switch from, from uh, Finau to Adam Scott? Um, I mean, I would prefer Finau there, but right, I'm going to stick with my first instinct. Yeah. If you wanted to save four hundred dollars and use it somewhere else, you could. You could go down to Scott. I probably would just bank it because I got to keep the four hundred if I don't use it. <laughs> <laughs> what are guys to stay away from in the middle tier or just below the top tier? A guy names you just would not touch right now. Uh, I mean, Ricky Fowler would be one of them at 83. I really wouldn't touch him. He's no matter what, he's still going to be a popular pick among people because he's just kind of a fan favorite. So I would just fade that and let the 10, 12 percent of people pick Ricky, and they lose in their they lose their money in the lineups. Sure. Do you think sure. if you were you, would you trade wins for all of Ricky's sponsorships? Uh, I mean, he did just get a Corona sponsorship, I saw. So. Yeah, we were talking about that. A new beer. New beer in the fold. Got... Would, you, would you rather win twice a year or have more sponsorship money than everybody else? Either I mean, way, spon- you win. 
Sponsorship money is guaranteed. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> we need to change the tune. I, all right, I got Reed in my lineup too. The, I don't mind that one either. This is weird. I'm actually like somewhat agreeing with you this weekend. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but I doing mean, Reed, my homework here. Yeah, yeah. Reed's just an absolute grinder. And if we're talking about guys missing greens, Reed is one of the best guys at getting up and down on difficult sloping greens. Uh, and we're talking about you know a winning score on even par. It's going to be guys just kind of you know, mudding around the golf course, just getting up and down all the time and shooting 71-70 for all four rounds. I have a theory I'm working on a little bit, and I've talked about it already in this show, but is it so narrow that, in a sense, it almost reduces the advantage of accuracy because everybody's going to miss a significant amount of fairways? And the diff- you know, the diff- if you had a great driving day, and the fairways are 10 yards wider, you might hit 80% of your fairways as opposed to 60. Yeah. And I think in coordination with that, the other thing is the greens are so sloped and pins are going to be so tough that even if you hit the fairway, it's hard to make birdie, right? That's a good point too. That's a great point. Andy's wheels are turning, spinning right now. (laughs) I can see it in your head. Staring away. All right. Uh, Up next, I got 7,600. I got... The career Grand Slam runner-up, Louis. This is another one. I actually like Louis again this week. I mean, he's trending in the right direction. He plays typically plays very well in the U.S. Open, so I'm okay with him uh, this week in your lineup. Who Doesn't else? have to worry worry about sabotage from FedEx this week. You know, the locker room, Jeff Galuli type situations, <laughs> comfortable or, comfortable setting. Or, and then there won't be any FedEx trucks just driving randomly across the golf course. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Won't get won't get browned out on the TV too. <laughs> Post round interviews, they'll keep the keep the UPS on there. There you go. What were you gonna but, say, Andy? In coordination, what do you think about Westy? Westy, I, I mean, I, I know your your love affair for him, so I, I, maybe I'll, I'll hold back on the the true comments I think of him. But yeah, I, I don't mind him this week because he's gonna be a grinder and doesn't have to go ten under par. His game's more See, set up to me, just make a bunch of pars. Doesn't have to make birdies, which is always, yep. you know. The, the Does he problem. want to be there, though? There's the question. It seemed, it seemed begrudgingly like he had to fly to the States. He has Instagram story in it. He didn't seem thrilled to have to travel or leave uh, the European tour. So that's always a question. <laughs> is Spieth worth a flyer? Uh, not if he was $6,000. <laughs> what would it have to be to be worth a flyer? That was ruthless. No. And, and, and the reason I'm saying no matter what price I wouldn't be playing Spieth is there's people that are going to be playing this week because it's the U.S. Open that are still going to play Jordan Spieth and his ownership's going to be too high for a guy that doesn't really have much of a chance of a top 20. That's a good point. In this point. like 7,000 to 8,000 range, uh, who, who do you like? You obviously hate Spieth. Anybody else that you're staying away from? Yeah, there's not a ton I like in this range. I mean, obviously, staying away from Spieth, I would stay away from Bubba. Bubba's got a horrendous U.S. Open record because he, he has a real hard time grinding out scores. And when he gets on a bogey train, it just kind of snowballs. And before you know it, he shoots 78. So we've it's seen that happen of, a bunch. It's kind of crazy because he burst out of the seed at the U.S. Open at Oakmont. Yeah, correct. And then ever since then, it's just been... You know, I think missed what five of the last seven U.S. Open cuts, something like that. Well, he just doesn't have the mental. Like he just starts going. He's same with the Open, I believe, too. If I'm not mistaken, I think it's the same with the British as well. But yeah, the U.S. Open's never. I mean, he when they used to be of the profile where he'd have press conferences, he'd show up on Tuesdays like, well, of course I hate it. 
I think it's, you know, tricks up and uh, every, every week you're like, all right, well then that's it for Bubba. Um, Andy, you got another one? I got, I, you know who I actually kind of like at 7,000 is Cam Smith. I mean, he, he is the ultimate like grinder and short game specialist. So if, if it does end up being a short game clinic this week, uh, Smith wouldn't be a terrible choice. That's it. And he's, he's finished. He had that T3 at Chambers, which obviously way different golf course, but, uh, you know, U.S. Open. And he played well at the President's Cup, which was, you know, really undulating greens. I just kind of, I think he knows how to play golf, you know? Yep, I can agree with that. I kind of think that is actually a barometer this week. You have to know how to really play real golf, you know? It's not like one of those places where you can be an idiot. Yeah, you have to really maximize your chances of of the holes that you can maybe make birdie and also just avoid the massive number. The guys that get greedy... And, you know, they short side themselves. The guy that just hit it to 20 feet are probably the smart ones. The ones that try to get up and down with the flop shot and make double or triple are the ones that are going to end up missing the cut. Interesting. What do you okay. think the cut's going to be? Cut's probably going to be around plus six, plus six, plus seven. That's what the market shows currently. What do you think the winning score is going to be? The winning score is going to be about even par. The one thing to note is even? the cut's only 60 in ties for the U.S. Open, not 65. Oh, good point. good point. So if you get five made cuts on DraftKings this week, it's like a huge deal. Well, actually, having your guys make the cut doesn't mean that much this week. Uh, and no, that's because they the lose score- points. Well, well the, the scoring is going to be so high. So, so look at this example, right? If you shoot 74 and just make two birdies, uh, you know, some bogeys, some pars, and a double bogey, you're going to make like nine points per round only. So oh if a player God. gets the cut, you're going to get like 18 points, which is not – you know, it's not that big of a deal missing that. You have more more points coming in on the, you know, finishing position than that. You could lose points, theoretically. You could, right? If a, guy, if a guy shoots 80, he could be at, like, zero points, which is possible on this golf course. Interesting. Interesting. My last guy is Zalatoris. Is that dumb? That, that's my number one play of the week, believe it or not. Wow. wow. Andy. How about this lineup? Doing? I told you, you I doing? think I'm going to win this week. Yeah, that's that's my number one value play on the whole entire board this week is Will Zalatoris. What's the value? What is he at? What? Six, well, he's sixty-seven hundred. He's at sixty-seven hundred, and he's just an elite ball striker. I mean, he had eighty over eighty-one percent of greens in the Corn Ferry Tour this year, which is over four percent better than anyone else on tour there. And you know, he's what thirty-sixth or better in every single start in two thousand and twenty. And we're at a cheap price here. It's a guy that's probably going to make the cut this week. It is locking him in my lineup. It, he uh, and Data Golf's got that, like, their world ranking. He's 40. Mm-hmm. Yep. I see him at 201 in one book as well. I mean, you know, picks to win is obviously a different boat. But yeah. If you're, um, if you're actually talking about, you know, driving across the board and making a, Brett, uh, a bet, there is yeah. one Zal Torres bet that I think is amazing this week. It's on DraftKings. Uh, it is Will Zal Torres against max homa and a head-to-head for the tournament uh, okay sorry, colleague podcaster colleague sorry, of ours. sorry me sorry media max <laughs> <laughs> yeah. sorry, sorry, sorry max but money talks so uh okay uh say with value on the value pick favorite of mine any amateurs you like there's a deep oh, yeah. amateur field deep amateur field just because of the way they did the qualifying or exemptions this year uh anybody anybody that's of value i'm not saying pick the win or anything that you'd like there 
not really because I, I think this course is going to expose the amateurs a little bit more because they're so used to having a little bit more easier time in terms of scoring and I think the grinding out mentality is, is going to be different than their you know just birdie barrage that they're used to having that's a good point good point yeah welcome well not the real world but yeah it's not going to be because the real world's not actually like this on the PGA no. <laughs> so um, Ricky Castillo has got mad game. I will say that. I've seen him play in person up close in the, the caddy and in the same group as the Western when he was like 15. I was like, holy shit, this kid is good. And he has continued to get better. Uh, yeah. Last one. you have anything more, Andy? No. no I got nothing. Let's get up. down to brass tacks. Is there any play with Saba, Roy Sabatini, the Slovakian, last man in or the field? Or Chez. Last, oh, well, Chez. Chez is a good bet, I think. No, regard. no, not this no? week. I don't he's getting so. a lot of dark horse play, <laughs> I, I, I believe. I, that, that's because he's sponsored by Cisco, and there's a <laughs> giant feature written about him uh, in, a, in a U.S. Open preview it. brought to you by Cisco. <laughs> I love it. I love it. There you go. You got to always look for those, those angles. Well, I just had to say, Chez. Chez is a U.S. Open ace. Chez and uh, Sabo. Anything else? Anything value in them? Nothing really in Sabatini. The interesting thing on, on Chez, if we're talking about, you know, this course being kind of long and having to hit a lot of shots outside 150, Chez is, you know, top 10 in proximity from 150 to 175, 175 to 200, and 200 and beyond. So there is a glimmer of hope there. there That's because he likes to hit that 223-yard layup. Yeah. Hey, Big Bill. Stuff. He, uh... It, my worry with him is he's abysmal on and around the greens. That is correct. <laughs> there we go. All right. So, Paulie, who's your pick to win again? Your one and done pick? Uh, if I had anyone to choose from, I'd be going with John Rom this week. Andy, you're going Rom? I'm going as Rom. Well. I'm going Fino as well. And then I'll, maybe I'll be driving up to make some bets as well. Uh, legally, of course. Uh, see, on the see, app. Do you I, feel better about your Fino now that you n- know that the PR curse is not real? According yeah, to absolutely. absolutely. No, I don't feel any better. Of course. The <laughs> curse is real as real as can be in my own head. So, uh, do you believe but I'm in the going Bermuda with... Triangle? I do. <laughs> what? I do not know. <laughs> What are you? What are we getting at here? <laughs> I'm just curious. What you know? If he doesn't believe in the PR curse, what else does he believe in? What What would it What would it take for you to put put Phil in a lineup? Bet anything on Phil? What would have to be the proposition or value there? Anything? Anything with Phil Mickelson related this week? About 130 players withdraw. <laughs> There you go. Well, that's that's that still gives you thirteen. He's got to beat, right? Yeah. So exactly, yeah. Why? Hey, Phil, Phil the and the amateurs. Who who's a better chance to win, Spieth or Phil? Uh that would actually be Phil, probably. You didn't think oh about that. God. You're we're getting asking the big questions. You hadn't pondered this because I think because so. I, I think if Phil got in contention on Sunday, he would actually have a better. He, he would have a more likely chance of closing. Where I think Spieth would be. A little fanatic with his ball striking there. When do those head to heads get posted? Uh, head to heads were posted on Monday already, so uh-huh. everything's, everything's been up at all the books already. You're on top of it, Andy. We're on top of it. I might get in some head to head action. That's my kind of jam. There you go. Lock in your Zalatoris one, right? Zalatoris. Any other heads to heads that really jump off the page? Are you, uh, you got? Nothing really besides that one. That was the one that was like the massive edge I saw out there. Okay, cool. All cool. right. 
All right, Pauly, EliteFantasy.com. Fried Egg, Pauly, thank you. We obviously don't know much about this. You are uh, an expert, and we appreciate your time. Thank you. All right. Take it easy, guys. 